All right, guys, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And we have a special special guest tonight, a, a listener slash friend of the show, uh, Chris Otto, uh, also a former, former like number one fan of State of the Texans podcast, always got shout outs for this question's from Otto, this question's from Otto, this question's from Otto. Uh, Chris Otto. Uh, I'm, I'm just a guy, you know, I, I have just a guy? Couple, couple of football opinions now and again, you know, it is what it is. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll take it. We'll take it. John, what's up, bro? I forgot how to work a, a mute button. It's been one of those days on camera all day long. It's Unfortunately, I know working remote, it's fun, but Hey, paycheck's a paycheck. However, you're like a little star now. Like again, you're you're getting back to where you were. Is that that right? You've been on podcast all day long. Is Dude, that what you said? Yeah, it came out of nowhere. Like it was like, hey, can you be on this podcast at five? Hey, could you be on this podcast at six? And then Figgy wanted me to come on the podcast and do uh, my Kanye West Donda review with him, um, <laughs> which was awesome because I love music more than I love the Texans. So to be able to go and actually talk music was great. So. Uh, shout out to Figgy Fig and, and, and Rocket for having me on. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. It, but it's, it's just I haven't moved out of the stupid ass chair that I'm in, um, in in four hours. So that sucks. At this point, either you're really comfortable or really uncomfortable. Well, I'm comfortable because I have a cooler Astros hat than you do. Uh, you do. Which is, which is not which, normal. Which, which um, hat is that? It's got World Series champs on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. You know, what can I say? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Otto's got the black hat. The black, black hat. Straight black hat. I uh, think that's going to be pretty accurate for, for the position he's taken tonight. So, And you know, <laughs> fine. honestly, every year I normally get a new Texans hat. Every, every year. I mean, this year, I just, I wasn't feeling it. I don't know. Maybe it's because of what's going on with the team, but I just wasn't feeling it at all. I bought no. one. I bought one specific for golf. Um, it's just like a golf Texans hat. But outside of that, I, I didn't buy any hat. I got one for free for being a season ticket member, and it's like pure trash. Um, it's like the cheapest hat you could find. It's straight out of Walmart, I feel like. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I, I didn't feel – in, in like I would want to buy much gear this year either. So I totally understand. Um, all right, guys, make sure you guys hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Those are free ways for you to support us. Do what you need to do. Make sure you follow us all on Twitter. Follow Patrick. He says he's got a special guest on the show Thursday. Um, that's great. I hope you do. That That's awesome. Um, but, you know, it took you guys six weeks to actually get recording, so <laughs> it'll it'll be an it'll be another situation where I'll believe it when I see it. Um, <laughs> but nander nander boo boo me all you want, buddy. I'm so happy for you. I don't hate over here. I congratulate. Um, Donda is fire. The Kanye album is really good. Even if you don't like Kanye, you guys should definitely go listen to the music, the production, everything about it. It's a really good album. Um, it's got the weekend on it, which Otto, you love the weekend. Um, well, I think. Well. think Think just as much as I do, so it's 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 definitely awesome. Um, all right, we're here for football though, and we have yeah. a uh, we have you know roster cut downs were today. Uh, Aikens hasn't been traded yet. Um, Eric Murray hasn't been traded yet. 
Um, did Eric Murray end up making the team? He did, I think. He did. Yes. Five yeah, he did. Yeah, five safeties. Uh, Terrence Brooks made the team, which is great. Uh, so do we want to get into Deshaun and the trade rumors being deaded and he's a Texan 2021? I guess let's get into that speculation because it, it's time to at least have the conversation that most don't want to have is I think a lot of people have moved on. But unfortunately, um, yeah. Where do you want to start, John? I mean, you want you want to get into get into Deshaun? We have to talk about it. So we might as well lead off. Like that's what everybody wants to talk about. This way, we can also tell people. I don't know. Maybe I'll put a little thing at the beginning. If you don't want to hear about Deshaun, skip to twenty minutes into the pod. But unfortunately, that's what people want to talk about. Because I mean, at this point, writers are just kind of making up things, like revetting things. Like there was nothing that was shared over the weekend that we haven't heard for six months. Like there's nothing that was new. Absolutely nothing. Like back in January, Pat said, "Hey, Deshaun wants to go to the Dolphins." When he first Rumors first got out. Like, that is not new. That is not even brand new. That's not even news. But you know what? I'll let y'all kind of get into it a little bit because I'm just annoyed by it, to tell you the truth. Well, I'll start off. Um, You know, uh, the Texans are doing, you know, what the Texans should be doing when it comes to having a valuable asset on your roster. And they're maximizing his value. Nick has a price in his head, and I think what it is is it's not the discounted 22 allegation prices. It's the prices that we were all talking about prior to the allegations coming out, which I think were four, five first, whatever the crazy amount was, because that's what it takes to get a top five quarterback. There hasn't ever been one traded. Herschel Walker is the status in the bar that everybody measures trades off of. This trade should blow the Herschel Walker trade out of the water. And Nick is doing what he's supposed to do. I'm going to wait. You guys can keep calling. If you think the Michael Lombardi report came out of nowhere, you're tripping. Michael Lombardi spent a ton of time in New England. Michael Lombardi has a ton of connects with or a ton of he's, he's connected with Nick. He's been connected with Nick for the last 20 years. That came so that Nick could put out a little PSA to everybody Look, we got an offer. It was a huge offer. It wasn't the offer. So we didn't counter, and we didn't have a conversation. That's all there is to it. There's nothing that can be done unless you meet our price. And if not, guess what? We control his future. So he can either not trade the uh, uh, waive the trade clause and go where we're getting the best offer, or he can stay on this roster for the rest of his freaking life because that's what's going to happen. And I love it, and I'm all for it. And I don't really care. Screw Deshaun Watson. You want to come back and surprise us and be our week one starter? I I don't buy that. I know a lot of people are still holding on hope that he's going to play week one. And this was all a ploy. And whatever conspiracy theories you guys have in your head, uh, this isn't happening. Deshaun's not playing for the Texans week one. Deshaun's not playing for the Texans week two, week three, week four, week five, all the way through 17. Deshaun Watson is not playing for the Houston Texans in 2021. Chris, I'll hand it over to you because I know you have a lot. I'm going to interject one thing before Chris gets going because I know he's going to go for a while. The one thing that did did actually kind of set me off this past past weekend, it was when it said Deshaun Watson was going to veto any trade other than the Dolphins. So hopefully the Dolphins could have a lower 
uh, trade offer. Like they could get them below value, which absolutely infuriated me. It's like, not only do you want to leave the team when you have, when you are an asset that just can't be replaced, like there is no return that is worth a Deshaun Watson without the allegations. There is no return. Like there's no amount of draft picks. There's no amount of, there's not another player. Like you cannot make a fair trade for Deshaun. But the fact that he wants the the Texans to just really hurt on the return on top of that, like, dude, come on, that's petty. That's just petty. I don't know. That just set me off for whatever reason. Well, the thing is about the pettiness, and this is something that I, I don't think people really have thought too much about, and I put it out there yesterday and people loved it, but you want to get petty. You know who has the ultimate power and leverage to actually get ultra petty? Nick Casario. You want to play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. It's just the way it works. And if you want to be petty, guess what we'll do? We'll let you sit for five years. We'll franchise you. We'll franchise you again, and we'll franchise you again. And you'll be 33, 34 by the time you can go to another team. This is a billionaire owner who would not care about wasting $134 million. And not only that, these owners don't want to see it happen anyways. So you got to think. Cal has more money, and Cal has all the rest of the owners on the same exact team that he's on. They don't want to see Deshaun be able to force his way out because this is not the NBA. And if that Pandora box gets open just once, right now it's cracked. It's not open. They tried to basically jam a key in and try to make it open. It's not. And it's not working. But if that if Pandora's box does open, it's going to change the entire dynamic of the NFL, and the owners don't want that. All right, Chris, the floor is yours, buddy. I had to wet my whistle initially, pardon me. I saw that. So one thing that people seem to forget is what it costs to actually move up in the draft itself to get a franchise quarterback, right? We've seen it throughout the years, the amount of picks, players, and the years of draft picks that are given up. So you got that factor. So now we're dealing with, let's let's ignore the allegations and say, we have a known commodity. We know what Deshaun can do. Yeah, can guys that watch quarterback play like me, you know, you can kind of pick apart where he needs to improve, but we know what he is. We know, at least have an idea of what his actual value is. So this is, we are finally seeing the, the Patriot way. As much as people don't want to hear it, this is the Patriot way, not caving in to any specific player nor outsiders demands they're going to roll how they see fit. And this is the Patriot way. Look at uh, what's going on right now with Stefan Gilmore, right? He wants either out or he wants more money. He's going to start the season one on the pup list. And they're still going to try to trade him. Probably uh, what's the trade deadline week eight, week nine, uh, nine. Yeah. So around there, we're probably going to see, you know, Gilmore be moved. But yeah, this we are finally seeing the Patriot way in uh what's it, New England South. But um this past week, in regards to Deshaun, a couple things have come across my mind. And one thing is re-evaluating the statement made by his college head coach Dabo Sweeney, right? What did Dabo Sweeney notorious notoriously say? Deshaun Watson was, gentlemen? Michael Jordan. The Michael Jordan of football. 
Now that's an odd thing to say when you really break down and look on it. Maybe I'm thinking. Well, and I'm, I mean, I'm a South Carolina fan, so defending Dabo is not something that I ever like to do. But he said that passing on Deshaun Watson was like passing on Michael Jordan. It was just unbelievable. He didn't actually call him the Michael Jordan of football. He well, said it, it was like, the same sort of mistake. True, true. Well, it was sort of a – you make a statement like that, you're kind of alluding to it, fair? You're alluding that he's – yeah, that he's in that category. That if it's going to be that same sort of mistake, then he needs to be that quality, quality of player. And like I said, maybe I'm thinking too much about it. But look at Michael Jordan. One of the greatest basketball players, if not the greatest basketball player of all time, depends on your maturity level on where you see him ranking in the NBA greats, right? What about off the court? Is it fair to say that off the court, Michael Jordan was somewhat of a degenerate? Gambling problems, right? And then he's got a... People have problems with his labor practices for his Jordan brand and maybe involves child labor or whatnot, whatever your thoughts on that are. I'm just saying it kind of makes a little more sense. Deshaun's a great football player. As a person, it's looking like he's not so great. Now, I'm not saying that's a fire take or nothing, but that's just something that's been sitting in my mind that makes sense, Michael Jordan. So... There's still people that can't believe that Deshaun Watson did this or he's guilty. And it's all a big cash grab, right? Well, now, keep track. It's going to sound like I'm getting a little bit off topic, but just everyone keep track how I'm going to sort of tie this in. Ron Jeremy, known adult film star, recently indicted on 34 counts of sex crimes. 21 women over 20 years, ages 15 to 51. This is a guy that gets paid and hand-delivered to essentially have his way with women. And now he's indicted on 31 cases. Is it really hard to believe that this amount of women are accusing Deshaun and that is still a money grab in some opinion? At this point, do you two still think it's a money grab? No. I never thought. I, at first, I... At first because of Deshaun's character and pedigree that has been built up and the image that he's, he's, he's definitely had manufactured. Um, I, I thought there was a chance, but after just thinking about it more and more, it would be too easy to prove if this was a money grab. Um, and that hasn't been the case yet. So no, I, I don't think it's a money grab. And yeah, only- I mean, everything that, everything that's happened from the accuser standpoint are kind of textbook for women in this situation, dealing with somebody that's like a boss or a star or somebody that's in a power position. Um, from the start, me and James actually had that conversation because, I mean, we, wa- I mean, honestly, even me too, like I wanted it to be a money grab. Like you don't want to believe these things about Deshaun. But as I prefaced at that time, if you've studied anything about sexual harassment, um, just for whatever reason, like being a manager or whatnot, then the, the checkboxes for these accusations were all were all checked. Like it was just, you can't say it's textbook because the things that they're doing to some people would seem like, oh, that may, that must mean that they're innocent. But when you actually get deep into it, um, 
a lot of the issues that they had reporting Deshaun, even the one lady that tried to get back with Deshaun, like those are the types of patterns that actually do show up in, in actual cases that have been proven. So unfortunately, it's like, I can't believe it's a money grab. I, I mean, I, even to this day, I still want to. Like, you don't want to believe that somebody was capable of this, especially somebody that you look up to. But if you actually look at the facts, read the statements, like, it, it really doesn't look good for Deshaun. And even at best, even at best, he was soliciting, he was soliciting over Instagram. Like you, like yeah. even that's best case. Like that's that's not good. And recently, they they've also mentioned that no one seems to be talking about is now there's two actually criminal charges from two women added to the twenty two. Correct. So yes, there's two additional women that have. And you know yeah. what? It could be those two that bring them down and not the 22. The 22 could all just settle on. It could be these two, the criminal charges, that ultimately lead to his demise. But Yeah, um, I mean, it's... Well, we'll find out about the criminal stuff, I think, by October 30th, right? Or something like that. Are we going to find out in October? That was something that popped up in chat. I really... I don't know. I don't know if they're going to... I honestly don't know. And part of me thinks that part of me thinks that Deshaun's going to get off essentially scot free. Like he's going to pay it off. Things are going to go away. He's going to he's going to end up without any like legal issues. Um, like that's going to get smoothed over. But this is going to be forever on his resume. And I don't understand how people are comfortable with that. And and that that's what I was going to mention next is now we're at a point to where people are saying you know. Um, Deshaun Watson, I can separate the football player from the person. Now, before I continue, I just want to say I'm a fairly open-minded person. I really don't care if someone has different views. My issues begin when you start involving children and animals because they ultimately can't defend themselves one bit, right? And so you got people that are willing to say, well, and I, I seen this on, on Twitter that someone overheard someone say, even if he molested my own daughter, I would still support Deshaun because he scores touchdowns on Sunday. Even, uh, what's it, the, the goofball and Stafford guy. Him and his other cronies are like, yeah, man, people need to separate the uh, football player from the person, and I can do that. Well, you're essentially okay with someone being a, uh, an assault, a sexual assaulter of women, uh, a sexual predator, a possible... You know, even I don't want to I won't even say the word, but, you know, a straight up degenerate. And you're OK with it because I'll holla. He scores touchdowns on Sunday. You know how much of a jerk off you sound that that lets me know what kind of person you truly are. And then people like that, they allow on the radio, but they think they're loved on the radio. But the radio hosts and stuff, they they allow people like that because they draw ratings because they say dumb shit. When you, these guys on the radio, you should hear what they say about these clowns that are like, I could separate the person, you know, he could rape my daughter, but as long as he wins on Sunday, go ahead. And it's, it's disgusting. Yeah. And I mean, I, 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 I hate to say this, but I can sympathize with where they're coming from. Like, I'm not trying to go. There, 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 there's like, I, I see where they want, like we, all of us, like, honestly, like, me and James do a podcast for an hour, hour and a half every week. Like, 
we care about the Texans. Like we are invested in them. I mean, we've spent close to 20 years wanting this team to win. You want a quarterback from a skill level like Deshaun. We finally had that hope. It is so rare to get a quarterback like that in your lifetime. Like most, a lot of franchises don't get that. So I can absolutely see why they have that disbelief. Like I, I, I'm not, and I get it because you really, you want that. But I mean, come on, we get, yeah. you, you've got to have some common sense when it comes to all this. Sympathy. I can have sympathy for the people that are heartbroken just by hearing this news. And I'm sure some people from the jump, you know, I was the same way. I'm sure you two were. I don't want to believe it. But then when you use your brain, you know, you see that it starts making sense. But then these these guys, they get to the point that they're so warped in it. They're like, well, he could, you know, rape my daughter, but, but go go out and win my team. I'll holla, you know, I'm the coolest guy in Houston. No, no, you're not. You're a sicko. People, people well, need to stop that or at least stop publicly stating that. I think uh, I, th- I think a lot of times uh, fans tend to be a little bit more emotional than they should be when it comes to uh, their fandom and things of that nature. I think a lot of times um, fans will create a competition internally with themselves and other fans to try to look and be perceived as being a bigger fan than somebody. So they'll use whatever it may be to actually win said competition. Now, I, I get what you're saying to the extent, like if, I, if anybody actually said that they'd be okay with that, that's that's pretty crazy. That's pretty pathetic and sad. I don't I know understand. Did, but go through his profile, not to cut you off. Go 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 through his stuff. I, I'll, I, you know what? I got a Rolodex on that cat. I, will, I got some stuff I can just DM you that all the craziness I see. Not just him specifically, a bunch of people. Sure. But and and that and I, I don't agree with that. That's that's wild. But I, I can't sit here and and say anything because Kobe Bryant's my favorite basketball player all time. Okay, and I was able to separate at that time in Utah, or I mean in Colorado, when he was going through what he was going through. I cared less about the off court stuff and only cared about what he brought when he performed. And I, I was young. I was immature. I think I'd probably be a little bit different now. But I totally, at that time, if he brought me a ring, I cared about the player. I didn't care about the person. Um, well, let me ask you this. Was Cole Kobe ever found guilty? No. So there you go. That's one of the big difference makers for me. You, it, But Deshaun it's, hasn't yet either. It's all – well, yeah, sure. I'm just saying, though, it's all speculation, you know? And I'm not. I'm not saying that victims should be uh, forgotten about, and one is more worth paying attention to than the other. But if I punch one person in the face, no one's going to care. I punch twenty-two people in the face in one sitting. People are going to pay more attention. People. Yeah. Are- well, I would tell you. Yeah, and I would tell you, don't do that. Um, <laughs> but unless you have to. Uh, well, I but- think you also, and I'm. I also think you nailed it last week when you were kind of talking about it, the difference between the Kobe situation and the Deshaun situation. Like with Kobe, you never felt like he, I mean, he, who knows if his apology was genuine or or whatnot, but you never felt like he gave up on the team. 
Yeah, I, I think we need to move past this part of it a little bit just because I think uh, some of our listeners are getting to a point they don't want to hear uh, rape and things of that nature. But yeah, I will a, say... My apologies. Uh, no, it's all good. About, it's all good. How about um, people actually thinking that Cam Newton should be, be a Texan? There you go. Yeah, I don't think Cam Newton should be a Texan, and that's how much time we'll spend on that either, as well. Let's talk about Deshaun, the football player. How do they move? How do they move forward? What do they do? Um, you know, he according to the CBA, uh, he can only be a healthy and active four weeks. After that, um, technically, Deshaun can file a grievance uh, against the team to be able to um, force him to play or force him to be active. Now, I've seen that argument, but that to me then says that Deshaun is willing to play if he's willing to file a grievance, right? So he would only file a grievance if he wants to play for the Texans. So I think that the, this whole sitting him thing, part of it is mutual. Um, and if you read it, it, it says it can only be used as punishment. I mean, are the Texans really punishing him? He doesn't want to play, so they're just not letting him play. Like, he asked out. It's not that they're punishing him. He asked off the team, so they're just... Yeah. I think... What what needs to be remembered is Nick Casario's tutelage is under Bill Belichick, right? And while they they don't always have the best records in football, most Bill Belichick disciples know the rule book. So I can see game day trickery on a week-to-week basis. One week he's inactive, one week he's a, a backup, he's on the bench. And I think Casario and Cully will do whatever they can to navigate that game. Because maybe what, – what's the rule say? Is it a total of X amount of games? For a, a total of four weeks. I don't know if it's consecutive or if it's just four weeks. Um, so, honestly, I'm not going to be – I can't speak to what that is. But and is, if, is it something that's only like you can't do it four weeks in a row? So, say they do it three weeks, have them as a backup for two, then – you know, he's on the list again for another three. John, do you well, know? I think it says four weeks. So they can only be punished for four weeks. Like, that's part of it. Like, the the punishment portion. So, again, it just kind of goes back to if Deshaun isn't ready to play, then he's not being punished. Yeah. If Deshaun is showing up wanting to play, that's that's when he can file a grievance. And I know that that's probably a little bit of gray area lawyery, but I mean, I don't I don't think that that's going to amount to anything. Like if Deshaun wants to play, then they'll suit him up and they'll go from there. But <laughs> if Deshaun does somehow want to play, he should have to wear number 22. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. All right, now, so what do we think happens? What do we think happens? Do we think the? I guess we'll we'll make it somewhat short so we can get to the roster. But John, do you think that Deshaun plays for the Texans in two thousand twenty one? You know, I hate to say that it's still a possibility, but it's still a possibility. Like I hate okay. to say that, um, particularly because he's taking up a roster spot. I can't. I, well, I think we'll find out pretty soon here with how the inactives go. Like, what happens when Tyrod gets hurt? Because Davis Mills isn't isn't ready to play. And Tyrod's going to get hurt. So what happens then? Or what happens if Tyrod gets hurt and then Davis gets hurt? Like, what happens at that point? 
So, and supposedly Deshaun wants to play. Like, he doesn't want to play for the Texans, but he actually does want to play. So maybe watching everybody go out there and play will drive him insane, and he'll get out there and get his act together. Um, but I don't know. At this point, the only thing that I can confidently say is I don't think Nick's going to get screwed over on a trade. Yeah. But whether or not Deshaun is eligible to be trade traded is up in the air. Whether or not Deshaun stays off the the exempt list is up in the air. Like there's so many things that this is just no one's been through a situation like this. Like we're trying to figure out the psychology of of somebody that we were all completely wrong on. Like we were already wrong on him. So But John, will he play this year, yes or no? I can't answer that. Yes, you can. Your thoughts. You can give your thoughts. That's what we do. So will he play yes or no? Yes, I think we might actually see him play. Ah, okay. Because uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going gonna, gonna to take the, uh, the devil's advocate position on this. I think that the, the yes. I'm going to try to okay. keep it short. I'm sticking to my guns. He never takes an actual game day snap at football ever again in his career. I got to ride or die with it. Worst case, some guy on, you know, some stranger says, you were wrong. But I will say, I, I think we're going to see some game day trickery with, within the rules on how Deshaun is utilized. And in the case that, say, Tyrod does get hurt, don't think for a second they won't just put him on IR and get some random guy off the street. Yeah, I think that's what. Would well, it's only three. I mean, it's only three weeks now, so I mean, that's not even that's not too bad. But I mean, I think that there's just as much of a chance of him playing this year as him not ever playing again. Like it's right there. That's fair. Like, those are those are those are both within the realm of possibility this year. It's already been nuts. Like, of course, it can be any anything and everything. Yeah, I would agree. I don't. I, I don't think he plays this year, though. Um, I think he's uh, being petty, and I think he can outmatch – he thinks he can outmatch Nick's petty and Coley's petty, um, and I think he's going to be served a, a pretty nice size uh, slice of humble pie as I, I don't think that they're going to uh, just let him – look, you got to remember, this guy shitted on the entire organization for six months leading up to this point, or eight months now. Okay, he, he used his camp as leverage for all the things in SI, let the Easterby stories get written. Amy did her job and and smashed whatever was going on with the organization and told all these other stories and things of that nature. All of this is all the whole thing that's happening right now. It's not like he handled it like Aaron Rodgers. It's not like he just didn't show up to camp. I mean, he's he he hasn't been. I'll tell you this. He's a big he, in, in my mind. I think Deshaun's a pussy. A hundred percent. I think the fact that he hides behind everything and isn't willing to have a conversation says a lot more about his character than anything else that has actually happened so far during this entire process. Because if I was Deshaun Watson and I had the platform I had and I had the, and I had David as my agent that can leverage the other platforms that could possibly be used, I would be telling my side of the story, whether it be, Honestly, I'd probably set up a one-on-one -on -one interview for game day on ESPN or Fox or one of those sit-down shows that does the, the kickoff countdown, and I'd have a 30-minute conversation about what happened and what's been going on and why I don't want to play for this, this team anymore. That's what I would do, but he's too big of a pussy to actually do it, and that, to me, tells me everything about who Deshaun Watson actually is. 
He is not a high character guy. He's a guy that runs and hides and doesn't actually face the obstacles and hurdles that are in his life. And this is one of the biggest ones that he could potentially ever face. And he's not willing to face it man as a man, you know, right in front of me, here's how I'm going to handle it. And to me, that's, that's why we're still in this mess is because he's a pussy. Uh, and I tell him that to his face. Um, all right. Um, let's get to, uh, let's get to, to cut down. So the roster has been trimmed to 53. Um, Let's start with surprise cuts. Anybody have – do you have um, – John, do you have any takes on surprise cuts or anything like that? Not really. Um, I know that Jordan Texans Thoughts was really upset about uh, about Thomas, Joe, Joe Thomas. Yeah, Joe, Joe Thomas and Jaleel Johnson, I think. Were, and were Jaleel his... Johnson. Jaleel Johnson, I get, mm. but there was so much competition on the D-line that – I mean, I was still a little bit surprised because he looked pretty good, but we just had so many, so many vets around the same, around the same level. Like that's what they did. And they did that on purpose that we weren't going to get a good feel for it from camp. And it seems that they've stuck to their guns on that. However, there are some things that obviously point out to Nick Casario is definitely not done with the roster. And I think the next couple of days will actually be very telling. Yeah. What about you, Otto? Any, any surprise cuts that you kind of like, ah, I kind of wish we would have kept this guy. You know, I was, I was starting to think that they were never going to cut, you know, Kiki Kuti, who Texans fans have like adopted as their love child for some reason. I just, I don't see it. Maybe it's love for Texas tech. They believe Wes Walker's word and reports about him. I don't know. The guy's unreliable. Yeah, he's called a ball. I mean, somebody tweeted it out. I want to say that it was Aaron Reese, but he was pointing out um, some of the stats. Like He's like eighth in longest uh, average reception as a slot receiver for the last eight years. Eighth and eight-aught where um, Anthony Miller was 15th, and then first in catch percentage at 74%. Well, but when I, you don't have the targets, like how, like that, that's one of those ratio things that if you don't have the targets, like of course your stats are going to be inflated a little bit. Like when you're not uh, available on Sunday to have balls thrown to you, like how are you supposed to actually have a different statistic, right? So, and if well, you look I at mean, the two games against the Colts alone, <laughs> so. the two games that I did AFC South podcast earlier, like the two games against the Colts, he had 22 catches and like 197 yards, right? So that alone right there is 9.7 yards per 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 catch. So, I mean, I, I get the infatuation with Kiki, though, Chris. Uh, he, he, you know, he had games like he did against the Colts where you were like, okay, he's he can actually be productive. But then, you know, those are the only time we actually too, saw it. We didn't ever see too it much a, Too much of a roller coaster player for my liking. You know, I'm not a fan of, of wide receivers under six foot anyways. Just naturally, I, I I don't like the small guys. It's it's weird. I I know, but um, if you never heard that quote from Aaron Reese, you know what is what seventy five percent catch rate and all that jazz, you would have never thought about that. That never would have came to your mind. True. You know what I mean? It's it's not even something. That any, and like you were saying, is it's probably an inflated st- uh stat because of the limited balls that have been thrown his way. Yeah, yeah, but, I would agree. 
nothing really. No, I was just going to point out that this is now two coaching staffs that he's got in the doghouse with. So everybody always blamed it on BLB. He was in BLB's doghouse. Well, as soon as we get a new coach in, he's still in the doghouse. So there's something else going on there. And then you could also see during games, you could like seeing him like how he was acting towards Mills, like when there were some throws that were off target that Davis Mills was throwing the ball to the wrong spot, whereas Kiki might have been running the wrong route. Like you could see there was a disconnect there, which was always the big complaint with Kiki was he wasn't running the right routes. And you can see that he just didn't improve. Yeah, um, at, but outside of Kiki, I mean, I wish there was a way to get rid of Whitney Merciless, you know. I mean, if anything, he should be on a team trying to get a ring as like a third or fourth pass rusher, you know, a rotational guy. That and um, people are going to hate me for this. Scotty Phillips, I just don't see it. I see a guy, if you need three yards, he can get you three yards. That's it. I don't see a guy that, you know, you need three, but he can just happen to get you four and a half, five yards plus. That's well, all here's I the thing about preseason. Here's the thing about 10, 11. Here's the thing about Scotty Phillips is he's a slightly above average, slightly above replacement level running back. Now he's not going to be a star, but he's going to go out there and he's going to get yards and he's going to be able to fill in. And he was, he's an NFL player. He belongs on an NFL roster. Now that's, it's one of those things. It's like, are people being infatuated with that? Or this guy's an NFL caliber back. He's got youth where every other running back on, on the roster is ancient. Like, he's the only young guy. Like, how many do we have that are at 30 or above 30? Like, I think three of the five. Because uh, Ingram and Burkhead both are over 30. David Johnson's like 29, or has he turned 30 this year? Uh, 30. And then, I mean, and then Philip Lindsay's the young one, but I think he's 27, 28. Yeah. Scotty Phillips is, tw- is 24, 25. Um, in that age range so he's got a little bit of youth he's got a little bit of juice who knows if he's going to be a star but he definitely belongs on an nfl roster and i'm definitely not upset that he's on the roster well to to piggyback off what you're saying i i don't have a problem like i i don't hate that he's still on the roster however i think he's a guy you're constantly looking to replace you know if you could find someone better than what he's good enough to make a team absolutely can't deny that but you're constantly looking to upgrade him. Yeah, I think for me uh, to kind of counter argue, you know, if he get he'll get you three yards every time. If that was the case, that'd be a touchdown on every drive. So you really need a guy that can actually get you three yards when you need it. Because if you look at last season, or hell, if you look at the first preseason game, if you didn't have three yards, you know, you weren't getting a first down. If a lot of times with David Johnson in the power set, if you were running up in the I formation or on a power run, he was getting stuffed at the one, right? So, yeah. I mean, he wasn't able to get that extra yard. So I'll, I'll take Scotty getting us two or three in short yardage over trying to do it again with David Johnson, to be honest with you. Fair, fair. And to uh, be honest, they're not going to keep five running backs. Something's, no. something's going to happen. They're either, wait, they're either waiting for a corner or a wide receiver, in my opinion. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Rex is gone next. But then I don't know about – maybe David. Maybe David, honestly. Um, but I don't know who it'll be. I don't think it'll be Scotty. I think they'll keep the youth. Um, you know, maybe maybe the Ravens trade a seventh or a sixth for Mark Ingram or something of that nature. But 
Um, I, I don't I, – it's going to be a corner or a wide receiver. It, it, there's no way we're only going in with five wide receivers and one of them being a uh, special teams returner. I, I just can't see it. Um, and, uh, who, who, uh, are we calling? who are we going to call as the drop? Who am I calling as a drop? Yeah. One of the running backs. I, I'd have to go with you get you gotta get rid of David Johnson. Yeah. I would agree. You know, I mean Javier and uh Patrick Storm put it out best that, you know, Rex Burkhead can pretty much do the same thing that uh David Johnson brings you. I really I can't see Ingram going back to uh the Ravens. If I'm not mistaken, didn't they end on like bad terms? I don't know if they ended on bad terms, but they did end. Right, it was like week ten or eleven last year. Right, it was pretty late in the season that he was like, "Oh, yeah, so, so, something odd." But yeah, I, I, I gotta say, David Johnson, you know, I, they're they're going to have a couple. They're going to have some Patriot way guys like Rex Burkhead just to keep every it on in everyone's head on how things are supposed to go. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I would also counter with that. Not that I disagree. But not just the Patriots way, but Rex Burkhead contributes on special teams and David Johnson does not. Yeah, that's I have really seen cool. something I have seen something floated around that David Johnson Wide what receiver. if he ends up being more of a slot receiver? Because yeah. all of a sudden that that position is thin. Well, he's not a very good route runner. Um, so I don't know if that would work out. But um the surprise for me is Julio Johnson though. Um, just to kind of finish that part up. I, I do I, I thought he showed a ton. Um, in, in preseason, I also think he's the most experienced guy we have at, at defensive tackle. Started all 16 games last year with the Vikings. Not a not a huge stat guy, um, but definitely you know he's shown a ton of flashes of preseason. They had a couple quarterback pressures. Um, uh, I think he had two fumble recoveries in one game. Um, I, I was kind of surprised to see that, but uh, to be honest. I don't want to say we're deep because I've been hearing that I've, today was the first time I turned on sports radio six ten and I heard that we're deep at that position. I don't really like that word because when you say that you're deep at that position, that means that you have three or four really good players at that position. I would say we probably have average to maybe above average players at that position. So I wouldn't necessarily call it deep um, outside of that. W- when you're looking at the roster and the final roster here, let me go through it. So that way we can kind of make sure that we all kind of stay on the, um, the right path here. Oh, I had it pulled up. Where'd it go? There it is. All right. So uh, starting at quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, Davis Mills, Deshaun Watson, running back, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, David Johnson, Rex Burkhead, Scotty Phillips at wide receiver. They kept Brandon cooks, Chris Conley, Nico Collins, Anthony Miller, and Andre Roberts. Any surprises with the wide receivers, uh, Chris Moore, uh, or or VC or Erickson not making the team? A little bit, to tell you the truth. Um, we went five receivers um, with Andre Roberts. Doesn't actually ever line up at receiver. So we really have four receivers. And if we do three receiver sets, that means we have one extra receiver. Uh, that's a little bit surprising. I don't think that that's going to stay. I don't think that's going to stay static. There's going to be a change there. Okay. What about you, uh, Chris? You, anything about the, the five wide receivers we kept and letting Chris Moore, VC, and Erickson go? Any I, surprises? I'm not surprised by the Erickson move. I am surprised to the fact that everything that was reported 
was he I won't say he was phenomenal, but he was one of the most consistent guys out there. And for a guy like that not to make the roster. But the fact that the guy was on the Texans in the first place compared to another team, if he was that good, I think he probably would have been on a better team from the jump. Mm. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, All right. Uh, Tight ends. I was wrong. I missed completely. I really thought Aikens could be flipped, Um, but they kept the three best tight ends on the roster. Um, I have zero complaints about the tight end group. Jordan Aikens, Farrell Brown, Brevin Jordan. Uh, anything on the tight ends, guys? I, I I really think it's pretty cut and dry. I mean, I'm a little bit surprised by Eau Claire not making it because he did such a good job blocking. Um, however, this could be part of the reason why they only went with essentially four receivers. Is I mean, two two of their tight ends are essentially receivers. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, offensive line: Laramie Tunsil, Titus Howard, Justin Britt, Max Sharping, Charlie Heck, uh, Jerron Christian, Justin McCray, and Marcus Cannon. Uh, Taylor Lane cut, uh, you know, a veteran guard, um, outside of that, uh, you know, really this offensive line group, you know, it, it, it kind of is what it is. I mean, how, Chris, how are you feeling about the offensive line? I, I tell you what, the Lane Taylor cut kind of threw me off guard. I was, that wasn't a one I was expecting, but I mean, Titus Howard looked like a monster at left guard. What was it, his rookie year? He started week one there. Yep. He looked he looked phenomenal. So I, I'm okay with it. And if as long as he's not one of those players that's like secretly disgruntled and he's one of those, you know, all right, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I, I look the left side of the line, I'm not worried about it in any form or fashion. Lermy Titus Justin make me feel a lot better. Um I don't know why we couldn't just put Titus at right guard and Max back at left to give Maxim um, a little bit more time to develop. But, you know, I guess if you're playing guard, you're playing guard. It's not like playing right tackle or left tackle. So hopefully Sharping can get it together. Uh, Charlie Hack, you know, up and down preseason. I don't necessarily think that he had the preseason that the media made him out to be. Um, you know, in games, he you know, the bull rush always seems to be a problem for him. So the power uh, pass rushers tend to give him a little bit of an issue. Um, his feet need some work. Um, he needs to be a little bit more aggressive with his hands and, and, and also just being able to dig in with the stance, but, um, you know, sixth round guy now starting right tackle. I don't know. I, I don't really know. The only problem I have, a, only reason I have a problem with it is because Max is at right guard. Um, if, if it was, I'd rather see Cannon at right tackle next to Max Sharping as I think that that would go a long way. And with Marcus Cannon practicing, Today, maybe that's where we go. I don't know. What are your thoughts, John, on the offensive line? I I mean, I have no complaints with it. Um, I'm a little bit I, – I mean, we're all in the same boat. It's like, why is Titus Howard playing guard? Um, <laughs> but other than that, I, I mean, it's going to be a better offensive line than last year, like even with Howard at guard. Um, Marcus Cannon and Charlie Heck are both question marks. Uh, Cannon, of course, because of his health. If he's healthy, then our offensive line is way better than last year. Heck, yeah, he's improved over last year. But, I mean, when you watched him play last year, anything would have been an improvement. And part of it was like, I mean, they didn't have a camp. 
but he didn't quite look like an NFL lineman last year. Now all of a sudden he could possibly be our starting right tackle. I don't think he improved that much, but I still think overall the line's going to be better this year than it was last year. I do too. I think the line's going to be better once, uh, once Cannon's back. Um, that's really what I'm looking for. I know a lot of people don't like him at right tackle. Jordan specifically isn't a big fan of him, but um, I'd rather at least see him at right tackle next to Sharping or put him at right guard next to Charlie Heck so you can develop Charlie a little bit better. Uh, defensive line, Whitney Merciless, Malik Collins, Vincent Taylor, Charles Aminihu, Jordan Jenkins, Roy Lopez, Jonathan Grenard, Demarcus Walker, Jacob Martin, and Ross Blacklock. Um, this defensive line has me somewhat excited. Uh, I, I'll be a hundred percent honest. I, I really like the approach to the way that they built this defensive line. They brought in a ton of guys to compete. Um, you know, one of the things I'll say is when training camp started, competition was the buzzword and it really pissed a lot of people off, uh, for some reason. I, I really can't seem to understand why people were mad about the competition aspect of camp. Maybe they didn't believe it, uh, but it looks to me like based on what we've seen in preseason and, and the, some of the things at training camp, I think the only two snubs are Jaleel and Joe, um, but I think they wanted to see their younger guys develop. Um, I think that Garrett Wallow was probably on the bubble over Joe uh, uh, Thomas, and I think that's why they probably went with Garrett Wallow was they drafted him and they saw something in him. Uh, and then same thing with Roy Lopez and Jaleel Johnson. Um, but I like this defensive line. I, I really like the way they approached it. This is a complete overhaul. You literally have one, two, three, four. You have four new players on the defensive line that you didn't have last season. Um, I'm hoping we don't see a ton of Whitney Merciless, or I'm hoping we see some Whitney Merciless that we haven't seen in two or three years. Um, likely outcome is that we don't see a lot of Whitney Merciless, but John, I feel really good about this defensive line, dude. Yeah, I do too. Um, when it's really the only person that I'm concerned about is Whitney Merciless. Like, I think that's a pretty good feeling. Like other than Merck, I believe the Texans actually did stick pretty much to their guns on competition. I think that you're right that there was probably like some tiebreakers with like Garrett Wallow and Joe Thomas or Wallow's younger and they think that he can, possibly imp- that he can improve but i mean merc really um he didn't show anything during the preseason he didn't show anything last year i can't imagine that his camp was great but i mean i guess they paid him but we've already got the most dead money like does it matter at this point yeah yeah i would agree chris what are your thoughts on the defensive line um i i like it you know i i hope it's you know one of those things where a lot of your good Super Bowl teams had solid rotations. Kansas City comes to recently. Um, the Giants, when they went on their Super Bowl run, when no one expected them to, had a consistent rotation. The Eagles, they had a consistent rotation. So I, I like the idea. And, you know, maybe Merciless is a, just merely a spot duty guy where – Every three or four drives, he's out there for just a play or two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to have the rotational pieces on the defensive line. Like, that's just the way the NFL works. It's one of the things that we've been screaming for for the last five to six years is that bottom part of the roster, you need to have some guys that can come in and and, and play some snaps and be effective. 
And uh, that's where we've lacked during the Bill O'Brien era. So, you know, the DeMarcus Walkers, the J- Jordan Jenkins, um, you know, things of that nature, being able to see Jacob Martin get some more play time, Jonathan Gernard develop, um, Ross Blacklock. I, I, I'm very confident in the defensive line. Uh, like I said, I don't expect one player to have t- over 10 sacks, but you should see a very strong team effort here on the defensive line. Um, yeah, I mean, somebody just put it in chat. Let's see if I can find it. But it's our – there we go. Uh, Ryan did. Ryan always makes good points. He says, doesn't let the players get gassed. And it's like, yeah, our defensive line is going to be relentless this year just because they rotate through them. Like above average, above average defensive linemen that are constantly rotated – will be better than a above average line or defensive lineman that never gets rotated. So that's the one thing that we'll have going for us this year. What I will add is, you know, the whole idea of competition, ooh, it's taboo. It's going to motivate the guys, at least from a pass rush uh, perspective, because they're going to challenge each other. And they're, they're probably going to have wagers amongst themselves on who's going to get the uh, highest amount of sacks who's going to get a sack during the game I'm sure they're it's they got more incentive to actually show out this year yeah I agree I, I definitely think that they're these guys are motivated and I definitely think a lot of these guys like the Millie Collins Jordan Jenkins they have an opportunity to make some money after this season and that's one of the reasons why these one-year deals really tend to sometimes really work out is and I've been screaming it since the free agency. You, you, your goal is to hit on two to four of these one-year guys that are younger by taking a chance on them because it's kind of like having a draft pick, right? You sign a guy for $6 million. He comes in and outperforms that contract. You're able to have contract extension conversations in the middle of the season before he hits free agency, and you're able to sign him to an extension to where you add a player to your team that is valuable that's going to bring forth the effort you're looking for. That's why I really like the fact that we did do this. And Nick went in that uh, approach for agency in that manner. All right, let's get to linebackers. Uh, we have Zach Cunningham, who we didn't see much of in preseason. I think we only saw him one game. Christian Kirksey, um, Camille Grugler-Hill, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, Neville Hewitt, and Gary Wall- Garrett Wallow. Um, you know, honestly, I like this linebacking core. Uh, do I agree with Jordan on Joe Thomas? I do. Uh, especially on third down, I think it would make a lot of sense to have a guy who can cover um, as, you know, there's not – Zach has shown us he can't cover. I don't think he's ever going to develop into being a coverage linebacker. Kevin Pierre-Lewis is a nice, is, is decent. Uh, Christian Kirksey isn't fast enough. If you look at all the passes thrown his way across the middle, he was always a step or two behind uh, to break him up. Uh, Neville Hewitt, I guess we'll see. But um, I, I feel pretty good about this linebacking core, to be honest. I mean, it's the same complaints we could say every year about our linebacking core. We don't have a coverage linebacker. Um, I mean, the hope is Garrett Wallow develops into that. He's a converted safety, as is. Um, Kevin Pierre-Lewis has the speed to do it. So there's a couple of guys that could potentially do it. But that is going to be a weakness this year. And and Levy Smith's scheme, that can be like an Achilles heel, like you get a quarterback with a decent arm strength and that's accurate. a la Tom Brady, like they can just carve, carve us up. Um, which is, it's going to be interesting to see because this defense and the schemes really good at with quarterbacks that are inaccurate, inaccurate. Just look what we did to every backup. 
but these guys that are starters are usually a little bit more accurate. So it's going to be scary. Yeah. How do you feel about this uh, linebacking core, Chris? This is probably the most boring group. And I'm only saying that is because none of them are like superstar players. They're just, it's a lot of solid guys that are just going to do their job and that's it. What I'm really interested in seeing is how has Lovey Smith's system, has it grown any? Is he going to rotate a guy like John alluded to, Garrett Wallow? He's, a, you know, that safety linebacker hybrid. Maybe you have five safeties currently on a roster. Unless you're trading them, are you going to drop Lonnie Johnson down on, say, a passing down? Yeah, I would agree. I, I think, um, like I said, it's not it's not the sexiest looking linebacking core, um, but I, I think you're right. Like it's enough to get the job done, do their job. Uh, you got a young guy in Garrett Wallow. You have Zach Cunningham, who's still also young, only on what I think only his second con- year of his contract. He signed it last year, um, so you have to hope that he's going to step up in a way. Um, and then I, I like Kevin Pierre Lewis, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Uh, all right cornerbacks this is where i think the concern will probably start to kind of come in a little bit um bradley roby terrence mitchell vernon hargraves desmond king tremont smith and tevier thomas um roby will be out week one so it looks like we're going terrence mitchell vernon hargraves desmond king uh and then tremont smith and tevier thomas i don't know enough about smith and thomas i know smith had a, a pretty decent preseason mitchell seemed to be up and down we know what we have in vernon hargraves I'd like to see more from Desmond King, uh, or I'd like to see better play from Desmond King. Um, but, I mean, overall, you know, once Roby comes back, Roby and Mitchell and King should be your three corners. Uh, I'm okay with it. Um, but I honestly, we need to find another corner on the on the waiver wire. John, what are your thoughts? I mean, I Vernon Hargraves, like, Hargreaves, I've, I mean, my opinion on him is pretty clear. Like, I think that they can go out and find just about any of these people that were released and give them a better chance. But for whatever reason, the staff sees something in them. They kept him on the roster again, so we will see. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about Desmond King. Um, granted, it's a preseason game, but he was picked on. Yeah. Um, and he did not look, he did not look good at all. It was almost like they were looking for him. And part of that is the way the scheme is. He really didn't have help where they were running the routes to, but still you, you kind of rely on him to do a lot and that, that just didn't look good. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, uh, cornerback group, uh, Chris? Um, I don't, I don't think we've seen its uh, final incarnation this season. Um, I think we're at a point to where we're probably going to see a, maybe a Desmond Trufant or Isaiah Johnson picked up. I, I really don't think they're going to trade for anyone, but I, I think their play is going to be highly predicated from the front seven this year. When the front seven sucks, they're going to suck. When the front seven's bowling, they're going to be bowling. I don't think it's going to be one to where the front seven's great and then the back end stinks or vice versa. I think they're going to as one unit's going to gel, it's either going to be real high or real low. Yeah, I agree. It's something I've been screaming for, you know, since this podcast started. You know, we haven't really had a strong um, – we haven't had the strongest secondary. And um, – Well, 
not not from a talent perspective. A lot of it f- goes back to J.J. Watt doing whatever the he wants. Because that's what people forget. When you got a guy like J.J. Watt doing what he wanted, everyone else has to do their job plus cover down. So I maybe it's it wasn't necessarily talent. Maybe it was just, you know, Captain, I do whatever I want. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've talked about that here too. I mean, the you know the gap responsibilities and the assignments and things of that nature that he was giving up definitely uh, definitely doesn't help. Um, but I do think that the pass rush is is going to be the it's, it's just the way it works. They go hand in hand. If your pass rush is working, your secondary is going to be better. If your pass rush isn't working, your secondary is going to be worse. It's just the way that football works. Um, all right, let's get to safeties. Justin Reed, Eric Murray, Lonnie Johnson, A.J. Moore, Terrence Brooks. Um, no no surprises here. Um, Terrence Brooks uh, had a very strong preseason. I'm glad he made the team. This is a guy that, um, you know, should have made the team based on what we've seen. I love A.J. Moore. I think anybody that listens to me knows I love A.J. Moore. Um, I'd like to see him more. No play on words there, but – um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him and Lonnie switch off a little bit at, at safety uh, and pair him with Justin Reed. I think that they'd make a good little tandem. Um, and then Eric Murray, you know, we didn't see a ton of him in, at safety last year. We saw him a lot in the slot. Um, so maybe he'll be able to cover some, uh, line, uh, tight ends or something of that nature or, or running backs out of the backfield. Um, but, I mean, overall, the safety group, Justin Reed is a star. I'm hoping he can continue to be a star and, and look like his rookie self. Uh, he looks to be... Uh, a little bit more free, <clears throat> excuse me. It looks like he's not thinking as much, which is what you want from him. Um, but John, I feel pretty good about the safety group. Yeah. I mean, Justin Reed seems very excited about the scheme. Um, if he's excited and he's playing free, like he, he has such a high ceiling. And then Lonnie Johnson has a level of athleticism and a, just a mentality that I think that he's pretty solid. Uh, that he's going to end up being a pretty solid safety. Is there room for improvement? Yeah. <laughs> um, but overall, like they're not our weakest position group. Like they're not any surprises. I hope that um, Brooks can continue to have a regular season like he did like the preseason. And then I think that they'll be okay. Yeah. Chris, what are your thoughts on the safeties? Um, similar to the, um, Defensive line, I think this is going to be a group that's rotated heavily. And I also think just like with the pass rush, they're going to challenge each other on a weekly basis. And just that's the one group that's going to play at a high level all year long. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely see that. Um, I can definitely see that. And, and safeties are such an important uh, piece in a Lovey Smith defense. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they're utilized. Uh, Lovey's always been a rotational guy at safety. So um, it'll be fun to watch and see if that's something that he, he takes here as well. Um, All right. What else do we have, John? Do you have anything else before we really end this podcast? And then next week we are literally, when we record Tuesday, five days away from the Texans opener against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll be able to, literally have a conversation about a matchup that will be happening next Sunday. We're almost there. Almost through the worst off season in NFL history. Um, however, 
just one question. Can you think of anybody that was cut that you would love the Texans to bring on? And let's try and keep this kind of short. Um, honestly, I haven't paid enough of attention to see who it was. I know there's a couple corners out there um, that would be interesting, some young guys. Uh, the Fulgham guy from Philly would be an interesting wide receiver pickup. Um, outside of that, that's really all I know. Um, I've, I've been pretty busy today, so I wasn't able to actually watch. Oh, uh, Beige is 100% right. I totally left off our special teams unit. Uh, John Weeks, Kaimi Fairbairn, and Cameron Johnson. <laughs> Cameron Johnson looks like he has a metal boot on the end of his foot um, because all he does is punt and punt long and hard. Anything else? I mean, the guy. I mean, but flipping, he nailed flipping, it. Flipping the position on the field is such a underrated aspect of football that people don't tend to talk enough about if you have a punter that can you can be on the 25 or 30 and 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 switch field positions i mean dude all that does is help put your defense in a better position oh yeah john brown was released as well um but yeah you want john brown i wouldn't be i wouldn't be opposed to it i like john brown he's fast you know he's had uh some up and down years but uh it'd be interesting to see with him but not with tyrod taylor no would you rather have tyron johnson come back i wouldn't be opposed to it Okay. Um, uh, what else? Kind of curious about Isaiah Johnson. I want to know why he didn't work out in, in Las Vegas. He was a guy that we were very, very high on coming into that draft um, two years ago. Yep. Was it, it was just two years ago. Um, so he's pretty much the guy that, I, I, that you didn't mention that I'd like to take a look at. Definitely agree about Travis Fulgram. And we'll kind of we'll kind of see. Um, there was, a, according to Pat, and there were and other national sources. We were really close to signing John Brown. Uh, he ended up going to the Raiders because he thought. Rumor was he thought he had a better the team at was better. Um, but now that he's been cut, he might come here. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. All right. You got anything else, Chris? Anything you want to close with? Um. Yeah. I already tipped my hat with Desmond Trufant and Isaiah Johnson. Kick, kick the wheels on them. Um, part of me wants to say John Ross, but he is who he is at this point. So, yeah. But with Isaiah Johnson and John Brown, real quick, the Raiders do not know what they're doing, especially if that report is true that Gruden was willing to trade back for Khalil Mack. Yeah, they, they don't know what they're doing out there. Yeah, I would agree. Anything, anybody that the Raiders cut, I'd be interested in because I don't believe that they actually have an understanding of what they're building over there with Mike Mayock. Um, and that, that team is just a uh, – it's just a, a weird thing. And, yes, Greg, Anthony Miller did make the team. Um, he just wasn't on the roster that I was looking at because he's – I think they put him on designated IR or are going to. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, that's uh, Desmond Trufant would be interesting – because he's been an average corner that has a ton of, you know, his draft, you know, where he was drafted, uh, the tenure he had in Atlanta, the contract that he signed. Uh, but he's a, he's probably, if you sign Desmond Trufant, he's he's definitely your second best corner. Um, and that'd be interesting to see a guy like him come in on a one-year deal um, and you play him opposite of Roby. Could be a pretty decent upgrade. I mean, he's not great, but he is above average. 
Yeah, I don't know what his issue is. I know he got cut. Something happened where he, like, something happened with his family and he just didn't show back up, but he has stated that he still wants to play football. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I saw as well. Um, so, yeah. All right. Um, he was on bereavement for the entire training camp. Yeah, which is kind of weird. But who knows what happened? And I don't want to judge. Reason? You never know. Wasn't like a family member passed away? Yeah. I, I believe it was his father. I believe it was his father, and he was oh, in bereavement the entire time. There you yeah. go. That, I mean, that, I mean, that, hurt, that, that hurts everybody differently in how they deal with it. You just never know. I know if my yeah. dad died, I, it'd be a while for me to um, – uh, to uh, to actually get back to work and grind. To be honest with you, sorry, my daughter wanted to give me uh, kisses oh. tonight. Um, but uh, yeah, all right. Well, with that being said, Chris, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Um, thank you. I apologize to everyone for my like mini rant that kind of side railed this uh, podcast. Time. It's okay. It's Good thing is it's only on YouTube. We can edit it out for the podcast. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, John, with that being said, we're out of here. Texans Unfiltered. Uh, I'm Young Ari Gold signing off. We'll catch you guys next week. Make sure you guys check out uh, Patrick and Jair's interview with uh, somebody. I have no idea who. Uh, Pat hasn't even told us. So uh, you guys enjoy that interview. And um, yeah, we'll catch you guys next week. Later.